Welcome to Rocking Our Prize. I'm your host, Dr. Alice Evans. Now here's a question for you. What catalyzed imperial expansion, authoritarianism, and female seclusion in Assyria? Now Assyria, as you know, was the world's first empire. Powerful kings, marshaled professional armies, conquered vast territory from Anatolia to the Persian Gulf, presided over a complex bureaucracy, deported thousands of workers, and accumulated harems of concubines. In the previous millennium, however, its capital, Ashur, was actually a bit more egalitarian, with checks on executive dominance. What changed, and why? So in this podcast, I want to discuss findings from Eckhart Fram's fascinating new book, Assyria, alongside the existing literature on imperial expansion and authoritarianism. And I'll weave in some gender stuff as well. Okay, so Ashur in the second millennium was led by a ruling dynasty, but their powers were circumscribed, insists Fram. So lacking economic privileges, they traded like other merchant families. Not that they have a a palace or a royal court. They were not even permitted to call themselves kings. Hereditary princes were merely first among equals, governing in collaboration with male citizens. The city assembly was headed by an official called the Limum, selected annually by lot. Together they met in an open space near the temple where a stone stella was inscribed with laws. The right to complain was held by all citizens. Any citizen could bring a complaint. It was only a partial democracy, of course. Political voice was denied to women and slaves who comprised over 50% of the population. So, best we're talking a democracy of 25%. Assyrian citizens were traders, not fighters or religious zealots. Caravans of tin and textiles were sent across Mesopotamia to Anatolia. Anatolia, rather. 25,000 cuneiform tablets were found in Assyrian merchants' homes in Kanesh. That's uh, contemporary Anatolia. Almost all of these tablets relate to business. That was their primary preoccupation. Now, conquest in 19th century BCE changed everything. Shamsi Adad I, who was an Amorite from eastern Babylonia, was victorious. He constructed a large palace, called all the shops, shots, and named himself King of Upper Mesopotamia. The polis was rebuked. Let me quote. Since you are merchants, go about your trade as best you can. As for us, we are mighty kings. Why do you interfere? That's my impersonation of a Mesopotamian king. Um, He left an important legacy, authoritarianism. From the 14th century BCE, Ashur's kings were amassed greater economic, political and sexual power and control. The city assembly was replaced by a royal court. Ashurian monarchs proclaimed themselves king of the world. Trade continued, but increasingly under the authority of the state. Gone were the days of independent merchant families. Ambitious men now aspired to become bureaucrats, just like in ancient China and Korea. Officials were called servants of the king. Conquering more territories was now the overriding objective emphasized in coronation ceremonies. Once captured, thousands were redeployed to construction and agricultural projects. Assyrian rulers built professional armies, amassed new territory, and the world's first empire. 
the royal harem, a new institution was guarded by eunuchs. Any infringements on the king's royal property were strictly punished. If an official permitted a non-eunuch to enter the king's inner quarters of concubines, his foot would be cut. Another decree declared, and I quote, let me impersonate the Mesopotamian rulers, if a woman of the palace has bared her shoulders and is not covered with even a kinderbassi garment, and she summons a court attendant, saying, Come hither, I wish to give you an order. And he tarries to speak with her. He shall be struck one hundred blows, and the eyewitness who denounced him shall take his clothing. Stern stuff. The Assyrians were embattled by droughts, um, and the empire suffered demise during 12th to 900 BCE. But once agricultural productivity resumed, Assyrian rulers took back control. Now, Briefly departing from Fram's book, let me take you down our gender rabbit hole. Back in the 3rd millennium BCE, southern Mesopotamian women held official positions. They were economically independent and unveiled. Uh, if you see my stub stack, I'll show you some images of this. But from 2000 BCE, that's when the Amorite conquest began, women retreated from the public sphere. Men monopolized writing, and as Fram notes, married women were expected to veil. So here's the big question for us all. Why did Ashur become more authoritarian, statist, and patriarchal? Now, Fram's book is heavy on detail, less so on explanation. Let me share three hypotheses. Okay. In The Rise and Fall of Democracy, David Stasevich argues that authoritarianism thrived when writing technologies and geography enabled bureaucracies to accurately predict crop yields without ceding power. But that doesn't seem like a full explanation of change in the second millennium because it was long predated by cuneiform and irrigation. So his two variables don't fit that major change. Okay, here's another hypothesis. Military innovations. Peter Turchin and colleagues showed that advances in military technology, that is chariots, iron cavalry, gunpowder, systematically predict subsequent imperial expansion. Around 2000 BCE, Mesopotamians started using chariot warfare. Pulled by several horses, archers could now shoot from mobile platforms. To protect themselves, others made shields and helmets. So armies could now traverse and conquer a much larger terrain. Now, building on Turchin, I'd add that chariot warfare enabled rulers to conquer larger territories, amass more wealth, and gain political preeminence. All things equal, we should expect imperial expansion to promote authoritarianism, right? That is, if crops and irrigation enabled accurate prediction of crop yields. So drawing on both Turchin and Stasevich, this may help explain why Ashur city assembly was replaced by a royal court. But then what explains the rise of female veiling? Well, here I think we have two hypotheses. Increased warfare and mass rapes led to women being hidden for their own safety. To be honest, this doesn't fit the facts. First, warfare was not new. It long predated chariots. Second, other regions had very large empires like Southeast Asia, but women continued to move freely. And thirdly, veiling wasn't motivated by safety, but piety and concern for men's honour. Female seclusion is a cultural innovation not entailed by states of war. 
So here's my alternative hypothesis. I put it to you. Amorites from Arabia became military dominant in southern Mesopotamia. As you recall, I was just saying, in 19th century BCE, Ashur was conquered by Shamsi Adad I, an Amorite. Amorites may have idealized female seclusion. Prestige bias may have motivated wider adoption of veiling. Men sought to gain status by acting like ruling elites. Now, generative AI may enable us to test these hypotheses. So there's a multidisciplinary team of archaeologists and computer scientists. They've developed artificial intelligence that can translate ancient Akkadian cuneiform tablets. I'm meeting with them next month. I'm very excited about it. I want to ask them if we can try to work out what's going on. But those are some insights from uh, Fram's new book, Assyria, as well as David Stasevich and Peter Turchin. Thank you very much for listening. This is Rocking Our Prize and I'm Dr. Alice Evans.